Hey y'all, and welcome back to this episode of Tea with Taylor. In this episode, I wanted to discuss the topic of student loans and student loan forgiveness. And before I do, I just wanted to thank all of you, whoever's watching this, for taking the time out of your day to watch my content. And if you do find any value in it, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share with your friends, family, or followers. And if not, just thank you for watching. So like I said, I wanted to discuss the topic of student loans. And I kind of want to break it down into three parts. One, why I don't believe there should be student loan forgiveness. Two, to explain or give some context as to why it is that student loans or college tuition has, the cost of college tuition has risen so drastically in just a few, in, in just like the last few decades. And then lastly, I want to make the argument to you as to why I believe that the government, especially the federal government, should not be involved in education. So first, let's start off with why we should not have student loan forgiveness. With every loan, as many of you would know, whether it be a home, car, a business, it is up to the individual who voluntarily took out that loan to pay it back. Like many of you, I decided to go to college. Even though I may not have known exactly when I took these loans out, how they worked or how they were orchestrated, I always knew it was my responsibility to pay them back. I never thought that the American taxpayer should pick up the burden of my decision to go away to college. Now, that being said, I think there's an argument to say that a lot of these teens who are getting into oodles of debt don't really understand what they're getting themselves into. And at the end, I'm going to go over some solutions that I think would be beneficial to help kind of correct this issue that we have looming in our society. We've, we've developed into a society that rejects accountability, rejects responsibility of ourselves, of our community, and we seek security or this false sense of security through the state. We, and I also want to say, when we say the government should fund education or free college for everyone, it's not free and it's not government funded. <laughs> we need to kind of stop saying that because it makes us lose the perception that it's paid by the taxpayer, it's taxpayer funded. So it's not just like the government is producing this or that it can be free and all this utopian nonsense. It's your fellow citizens paying for it. And a lot of these people didn't go to college or decided not to, so why should they have to pick up the burden? For example, why should an electrician who decided to go into the trades then have to be responsible for paying for someone else's college degree when they made the decision not to go to school, but yet you're going to mandate them, mandate them because it's done through taxes. And if they don't pay those taxes, they risk going to prison. That's not fair. Policies like this incentivize poor behavior and decision-making of individuals at a young age. They, from a young age, they then think that the decisions they make don't have, they don't have responsibility for them or they don't have really repercussions, I guess you could say, because Big Brother, the government, will always come to bail them out, which isn't true. And they also develop or they're conditioned to believe that they have the right to others' money or they have the right to things that they don't have the right to. And then we get a 
selfish and demanding society for things that aren't theirs, but they think that they have the right to them. So that's kind of an, I, my explanation as to why we shouldn't have student loan forgiveness. And I'm going to continue on that point because another reason we shouldn't have student loan forgiveness is because the government being involved in education actually has been the result or the, the, the leading causal effect as to why college tuition has gone up. So why the cost of college tuition has drastically gone up in the past few decades, exceeding the pace of inflation. Another result of our government contributing to college education is that it's actually the largest or the, the main contributor as far as uh, the, the rise in tuition costs. So I'm gonna go over a few studies that um, were done by the Federal Bank of New York or the Federal Reserve Bank of New York as well as the University of Chicago Press. But first I kind of want to go over just some of the a brief history of college education as far as it's being intertwined with the government. So and you're going to kind of see me again my eyes flickering because I put together an outline and just some girl in her basement. Hopefully eventually when I make it I can have like a teleprompter or something. But so in 1867, that's when the United States Department of Education was formed. 1944, the GI Bill passed, which was helping World War II veterans go to school, which I support. The funds allocated for national security should also be allocated to support those who fought for our nation to preserve our national security. So that makes sense to me. 1958, federal student loans were first offered. 1965, Higher Educational Act and FFEL program was enacted. The FFEL program was a program that guaranteed student loans no matter the wealth of their parents. And at this time, excuse me, the outstanding student loan debt was $1.7 trillion, with a T, dollars. And 1972, the Basic Educational Grant, Pell Grants, were enacted. And then 1992, the FAFSA was enacted, which many of you, I think my loans were FAFSA. So as you can see, student loans provided yet another avenue to expand the scope of government. Everything that we then demand a right that wasn't given to us in the Bill of Rights and then preserved to us by the Constitution that we think the government should be involved in, it just expands the scope of government, has them involved, their tentacles in every part of our lives. For someone like me, I don't like that, to be honest. Um, and then within the same period, between 1972 to present day, college tuition adjusted to inflation has increased more than 200%. Simultaneously, 50% of these graduates, 25 years or younger, are either unemployed or at jobs that don't require a college degree. And the source of that is the Associated Press. So now I want to go over, like I said, some of the reports that I reviewed. I will link them below. And you, you could definitely t check them out yourself. I suggest you do, or you know, do some of the own research. You don't, don't take my word as Bible. I said what I want to say. But um, okay, so the credit supply and the rise of college tuition by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, published in 2015, revised February 2017. So they found that the expansion in student loan a programs resulted in the cost of tuition outpacing the cost of inflation with an increase by 46 percent between 2001 and 2012. Also additional two studies that were published in 2013 that they source in this uh, study that I'll again I'll have linked below had the rise in the cost of tuition between 1987 to 2010 was largely about 40 percent 
attributed to the increase in borrowing limits set by the federal government. So they were saying about 40% of the reason college tuition then went up was because the federal government expanded the amount of money to these individuals and increased their limits. So they now with 40% means it wasn't the only causal effect, but it was the majority based off everything else that they uh, investigated, I guess you could say. So now let's break down some of these federal student aid programs so you guys kind of have an idea of what they are studying and what it is that's being offered on the federal level to these students through these federal aid programs. So you have Title IV. Yeah, Title IV of the Higher Educational Act, HEA, support access to post-secondary education through federal grants and loans. Pell Grants, which account for the majority of federal funding of low income, equating to about $30 billion. Majority of federal student loans are administrated under the William D. Ford direct loans being subsidized or unsubsidized loans. So subsidized, meaning the federal government pays the interest while individuals are attending school in addition to their grace periods as well as their deferment periods. So between 2001 and 2018, these subsidized loans where, these, where the federal government was absorbing the cost of their um, interest jumped from $16.8 billion to $20.4 billion. And that's in about, like I said, 2021 to 2018, so almost two decades. Uns but that's a it's quite a large jump. Unsubsidized loans, the federal government does not pay the interest of these loans, and these loans account for about 85% of the federal loans. Then you have the HERA, H-E-R-A, HERA, uh, Higher Education Reconciliation Act of 2006, increased year this, this act increased yearly borrowing caps of what students were able to borrow from the federal government. The Student Loan Act of 2008, Congress enacted a policy change that ensured the Congress access to student loans has increased its minimums by $2,000 for all students. So if you were, these are hypothetical numbers, receiving $3,000 from the government, they now jumped that from, to $5,000. If you were receiving $0 from the government, they now allowed you to receive $2,000. It was for all students. Um, and these, ups, these unsubsidized loans jumped from $15 billion to $26 billion in one year, creating higher demand for institutions, which makes sense because now more people are, or more federal funding and aid programs are available to more people, allowing them for the opportunity to go to school, creating larger demand into, or yeah, larger demand for these institutions. So they're like, okay, we have so such an influx of people who are interested in coming to our institution, we can raise the price. Supply and demand, basic economics, people. I know our politicians like don't know economics, but we must demand that they figure it out. So then they also mentioned that in 2007, the Apollo Education Group reported that they increased their tuition under the guise of what the student students could now afford based on the Title IV loan limit increase. The limit increase also resulted in an increase in demand and tuition. So this Apollo Educational Group admitted that they adjusted the cost of their tuition to reflect the new policy under Title IV that increased the limits. So since this, each student was able to borrow more money, they increased their tuition accordingly. So in conclusion of this report, 
A credit expansion will rise the tuition paid by all students, not only those federal loan caps because of the demand of externalities. When access to loans is so easily attainable as well as accepted, the demand of these loans rise, which provides an incentive to educational institutions to raise their prices to account for the increase in demand. Supply and demand, people. And then I thought this was a good point because I'm actually seeing a lot right now into the real estate market. They said such pricing externalities are often con um, conjectured in the context of effects of expanding subprime borrowing and housing prices, which led to the financial crisis and their study can be seen as complementary advice or evidence in the student loan market. Greater financial aid ability tends to raise tuition levels more generally. So that was the conclusion of the first study. And like I said, I see this a lot in the housing market. As some of you know, I'm a realtor. And right now we have a supply and demand issue. We have very limited supply ever since COVID with a high demand. And when the government then started adjusting for when they, the Fed lowered interest rates, because everyone's like, hell yeah, let's get loans, low interest rates. Then the federal government was, they also mandate the requirements as far as FHA loans. And if they lower the requirements, allowing for more people to then be accepted or to be qualified for a certain loan, that heightens demand. So right now, <laughs> there's hardly any houses. So if there's a nice house and it's priced, honestly, it doesn't matter what it's priced, everything goes over asking. There's an influx and it's, it's raising the prices of these houses in a non-sustainable or healthy appreciation way. And I'm going to discuss that in my argument why I don't think the government should be involved in housing aid. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming. But anyways, I digress, I guess, on that point. Let's go over the second study. This study accounting for the rise in college tuition by the University of Chicago Press published in December of 2018. In this study, they discussed their findings where as to why the, uh, why the cost of tuition has risen so drastically over just the last few decades. Between 1987 to 2010, the cost of tuition on average rose from 6,630 to 14,510. And this was all adjusted to inflation and reflected the $2,010 amount. That's almost double. I mean, no, that's more than double. In just a few decades, two decades, uh, 23 years. That's insane, especially when everything else is getting less expensive. You think about technology, our TVs, our phones. You remember how much it was for a TV? Now you can get a smart TV for a few hundred dollars. Why is that? Because of technology and supply and demand, over time, things should not cost as much. Yet college, when more and more is online, when more is available, online rather than all these books and you're doing Skype and Zoom is more expensive? Something ain't right there. So I continue. <laughs> the combination of causal effects that they discussed um, were as following. Supply, number one, supply side changes. Number two, demand side changes. And number three, increase in college earnings. So their findings were the expansion of borrowing limits was a single was the single greatest factor, causing a 54% increase of the cost of tuition. So this is like the other, they, their findings were similar to the report that I just discussed as well. They found the, the major policy changes that were enacted by the Higher Education Act of 1992 caused a 21% rise in tuition costs. 
followed by grant aid, which caused in which calls for an 18% increase in tuition costs. They, like the previous report I discussed, explained that the result of the report aligned strongly with the Bennett hypothesis, and the Bennett hypothesis is that the rise in college tuition is due to the rise in government aid. And for those who don't know, Bennett was the Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan. So this is not a new hypothesis. Many people have been saying this for a long time, but you know what? Politicians can emotionally manipulate many of us by saying free college we're gonna help you go to school and we're like yes we want that and no one thinks about the cause and the fact no one thinks about the repercussions of what these policies are or studies them or when studies are done no one cares <laughs> so they go to kind of just point out some things in their conclusion enrolled students took out 6,900 versus 4,600 in previous years that's a two thousand dollar jump Colleges, in turn, increased their spending and increased their costs because people, because they were allowed, our students were allowed to obtain more monies from the government. So college then adjusted their cost accordingly. Demand shocks, of course, too. When you have more people available to the financial aid, there's more demand for these institutions. So demand shocks went from 17% to 32%, which led to higher cost of attendance and more debt per individual. <laughs> Conclusion of this study, the demand side theory, namely the financial aid e expansion, generated the strongest causal effect to the rise in tuition costs. So as you can see, both studies contributed. The large, the greatest factor in the stark rise in college tuition is because the government policies of financial aid. Which leads me to my next point. The government specifically the, the federal government should not be involved in education. The federal government has no business being involved in education, period. Now, if the state wants to do it, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm for state's rights. If your state wants to do it, if your localities want to fund education, that's fine by me. Because then I have the freedom, if I live there and I don't like that policy, or I don't like where my taxpayer money or my taxes are being allocated i have the freedom to get up and move somewhere else when it's on the federal level i don't have that freedom that's why we need to have as much power to the states and localities as possible so you and i have the freedom to move with our feet to live in areas that reflect our values and that gets me to my continuing my point the federal government's responsibility, which is a lot of us don't know now because they are involved in every aspect of our life. The federal government is one, national security. Their role is one, two, national security, and two, trade. International and national trade within states and with other countries. They are to protect your life, liberty, and property. That's it. It is not to provide us with all these privileges that today we deem rights. We have grown as a society to think that the government should control every aspect of our lives. And that's not the way our government was intended to be. Many of us fear responsibility. We actually fear freedom because we would rather look to the government in this false sense or this illusion of security rather than take on self-responsibility for ourselves and our communities. We look to the government to do it all for us. And we would rather give up our freedoms and our liberties to have this false sense of security. 
which is the reason for a lot of the complications and issues that we see today because we try and push everything to the government and the government is made up of people just like you and I <laughs> they're not more capable they're not more efficient and they're not not more experienced than all of the individuals within this country like I said decentralization more governed or not governed they can just stay the hell out of our lives on the local level state level the federal government national security and trade that's really it and because of this because we always look to the government we've developed a society that views taxes as charity that supporting if you support higher taxes it's because you're morally superior whether it be for whatever reasons when in reality this large taxpayer funded net that we have, the safety net that we have created under the auspices of government removes the moral responsibility, responsibility of charities from the individual and pushes it onto government, resulting in a corrosion of our sense of obligation to our neighbors, to our friends and families and to our community. We no longer feel obligated to donate our time or our money to do charity because we pay taxes. Now, all of that being said, I think there's a valid conversation to be had regarding that there should be some sort of help to those who can't afford to go to college due to financial issues, but must because of the field that they want to go to, let's say it's STEM or law, etc. That said, I also think that we need to destroy the narrative that everyone has to go to college. And if you don't go to college, you're not, you're not going to be successful in life because that's not true. There's many, many jobs that you don't need a college degree for. There's many people that get a college degree and then don't use it. And there's many businesses nowadays that don't really care if you have a college degree. They, they care about your experience and what type of uh, talent or skill you have to offer that you can show what you've done. For example, the Daily Wire, they don't care if you have a college degree. Their actual owner or part owner, owner Jeremy Boring, never went to college. So he said he would feel like a hypocrite if he asked for what college you went to on an application. Barstool Sports said the same thing. Gary Vee, he talks about it all the time. Like, what can you do? Show me what you can do and what you've done. College degree, it ain't for everyone. No, <laughs> if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be an engineer, you have to go to college. So I'm not saying no one should go to college, but definitely not everyone. Not everyone should feel that they need to take tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of debt in order to be successful. So there are trade-offs with everything and there will never be perfect or equal solutions, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that can be done to benefit at a lesser cost. Cause there's always benefits and costs. There's always a cost analysis. So we want to benefit as many people as possible at the least amount of cost. And that should always be considered. Like I said, there's, there's not solutions, there's trade-offs. Thomas Sowell said that. So here are some solutionary steps, in my opinion, and I'll kind of go over them. I wrote them down. So like I said, if my eyes are flickering back and forth, I have a list in front of me. One, end federal funding and cut taxes accordingly. 
if we reduce the federal funding, as we saw, it's the major, it's the leading cause as to why these tuition costs have risen. So if we reduce the federal funding, over time, that cost should correct itself. And then those taxes that are no longer allocated allow the individual to decide if they want to use that to pay for college or their kid's college or invest in a business or buy a house or just save their money. Number two, make educational institutions have skin in the game by being responsible for a percentage of each loan in case they default. Like mortgages, there's people who default on their loans and go into foreclosure. Institutions then, if they have some sort of obligation to these loans that they are allowing, that they are giving out or accepting people with these loans, I should say, they're accepting these loans. That way they are more selective of the individuals that, that they expect. They're more selective in the people that they accept based on the degrees that they are looking for to major in, as well as the degrees that they have to offer, knowing that there's a good probability that once they graduate with that degree, that they can pay back these loans. Having institutions be more selective will then reduce demand. And that will then eventually correct and help reduce the cost. Number four, with tuition being less expensive and taxes being cut accordingly, it allows for individuals who have the financial means to support someone deserving that cannot afford it themselves. What do we call that? Charity. <laughs> if you have the means to help someone through school that deserves it, that gets good grades, that works really hard, you should do that. And now that your taxes are cut and that you know the government's not doing it, it'll incentivize people who do have those means to support people in this way. Number five, schools provide scholarships to top students, which they do now, but continue that. That's, that's still um, a good thing to do. Number six, destigmatize, like I, I just discussed, destigmatize the idea that everyone needs to go to college. They don't. Not everyone needs to spend tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands for a degree they may not even use. Hindering their ability to make investments at a young age, whether that be in a business, the stock market, buying a house, supporting or saving for their, their, the few, their children, or retirement. And then lastly, number seven, consider taking one to two years off of school, out of high school, to work, to save, to get some experience, and then consider if you still wanna to go to college, you have a better of idea of what you wanna to go to college for, and if you need to go to college in order to pursue that field of work that you're interested in. So that's my points as far as why, one, why we should not have student loan forgiveness, two, what is the reasoning behind the rise in tuition costs? And three, why the government should not be involved in education, specifically the federal government. So those are my arguments to you today. Of course, I urge you to look into it yourself. We need to, as a society and as individuals, to want to have responsibility over our lives, want to help contribute to ourselves and to our communities, not have the government save us all the time and incentivize us to not want responsibility, not want accountability. That is just destructive in the sense of a community and in the sense of a country. We are the country we are today because of people taking responsibility, because of people taking accountability, because people wanted to do things themselves and help their neighbors and help their communities and give back. We need to get back to that. The government cannot solve all our problems. And like I just referenced in this, in this uh, 
in, in my video, they cause a lot of the problems. So I hope this was somewhat informative to you. Uh, I hope you think about the topic a little bit and if you found value in this, like I said, it will mean the world to me. If you share it, check out some of my other videos. I will have one upcoming regarding this same topic, but housing loans and my argument against the government being involved in those. So again, thank you for watching this episode of Tea with Taylor and God bless and I'll see you guys soon. Have a good day.